It's episode 58 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Before we get started with today's Keto for Women topic, let's chat about caffeine and how many of us are kind of dependent on the caffeine that we drink in the morning, the coffee that we have throughout the day. And really, I think we all know, and if not, I'm here to tell you that that's not really all that great for your body and especially your adrenals. And we talk about stress and adrenals and the impact that that has on our hormones so much here on Keto for Women. And it's a habit that we really need to work on breaking. One of the best ways is to try something different. Try a new approach to your morning beverage, and that really can make a huge difference and can eventually get you off that need for caffeine. And this is where I found Rasa Coffee, which is a sponsor of the Keto for Women show. So love Rasa on so many levels. First of all, they're a Boulder-based female-owned company, which is just near and dear to my heart, of course, but they are also doing amazing things for a caffeine-free alternative to coffee. It contains nothing but adaptogenic herbs. So these herbs are meant to help heal your adrenals, your stress response, basically do the opposite of what traditional coffee will do for us. And It does so in this amazingly delicious flavor that I can't even describe, but it really does take the place of that warm morning beverage, that need for coffee, and the best part is it tastes so good with some sort of fat mixed into it. So you can make a fatty rasa coffee and it is like heaven. It's delicious. I use ghee and coconut oil in mine. Oh my gosh, blend it up so yummy and you can have it throughout the day because guess what? It doesn't contain caffeine and is actually really, really good for you and your adrenals, your hormones, your stress response, all those things that we're working on with keto and just us as ladies. So the cool thing that I really love that I think you all could try if you are someone that's relying and dependent on that caffeine is to use rasa and mix it in with your coffee and slowly start that weaning process. So you could go like 75% coffee, 25% rasa, then do a week at 50-50, then do a week at 25% coffee, 75% rasa until you're totally off the caffeine. And it's just a great way even to just slowly reduce that amount so you're not having these crazy withdrawals that I know a lot of us go through when we're reliant on caffeine. So Rasa Coffee, you have to check it out. You guys are going to love it as much as I do. I know that for a fact. And right now, because they are Keto for Women sponsors, they are giving you 20% off your order. So you need to go to rasacoffee.com slash Keto for Women. That's Rasa, R-A-S-A, coffee, K-O-F-F-E-E dot com slash keto for women. And you will get 20% off. Use the code keto, the number four women at checkout for that discount. Trust me, you're going to love it. I can't wait for y'all to try it. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back to the Keto for Women show. Thanks for joining me as always. And we are doing a back-to-back episode of the Keto Hot Seat because really, I don't know how I'm going to get through all these questions if I don't. I got to start doubling up, I think, and maybe talking a little bit less, maybe a little bit faster. Just kidding. I wouldn't do that because I already talk fast for a podcast host. So not going to go any faster, but maybe shorten my answers a little bit so we can get through these questions because I'm already getting a lot of requests for people wanting me to post again, asking for more questions for the keto hot seat. So I know we have some ladies out there that are waiting their turn to get their question answered, but I still have so, so many from the last time I asked for questions, which was eight weeks ago. So 
we've got to start getting through these. And I know you all, I've been getting great feedback that you love these episodes and really get a lot out of them. So I think it's definitely a good thing to continue doing and do more often. So that's what we're going to do today. In just a little bit, I will sit down and get to these questions from Instagram that I posted, like I said, eight weeks ago already. Just crazy to me. Just a few quick things I do want to mention. If you haven't looked at my video series, the Keto Roadblocks video series. It was something that I did really just based on the response I get from you guys and the questions I get from you guys and the fat-burning females and people that follow me on social media. It's just a constant battle, I think, for a lot of you really with this like, what am I doing wrong (laughs) question. (laughs) A lot of you have that and maybe not all the time, but maybe sometimes or maybe you do have it all the time and it's constantly this struggle between doing keto, being in ketosis, producing ketones, doing everything quote unquote right, and not feeling how you should or how you want or seeing the results you think you need to see or want. So, you know, I talk about this all the time on the podcast, but I think it's something, I guess I just wanted to put it in one compact place, uh, put it into a different scenario so you can actually see my face and make those videos in all one spot where you could get some answers or at least some ideas as to why keto isn't working the way that you hoped it would while being in ketosis, because most likely you're not doing anything wrong. It's just that there's something else going on in your body. I know that you all know that and are getting that as this podcast continues on. And that's something I talk about so frequently, but sometimes it takes a little reminder. And so that's what I did over on that video series, my first ever, although I'm hoping to do more. It is a little bit of work, so I have to spread it out a little bit because it gets a little frustrating, if I'm going to be totally honest, to work with video and try not to mess up and say the right thing and all that stuff. Just some behind the scenes notes there for you. It's not as easy as it looks. So I will be doing more of those, of course. But right now you can go to the one that I do have. You can go to bit.ly slash keto roadblocks. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash keto roadblocks. That will be linked in the show notes for this episode. So you can head there too. So grab that and just something to kind of always have around in case you need a reminder every once in a while or in case you look into one thing and then you find out something else or you want to dig into another thing, just little tips that you can do to keep on your health and your healing journey yourself. So head over there to do that. The only other thing that I wanted to talk about is just briefly to tell you a little bit about my personal keto right now. I mentioned it in the podcast episode that I did with Vanessa Spina over at Fast Keto on her podcast. And if you haven't listened to that episode, highly recommend you do that. It was a really fun episode. We're friends. So we just kind of chatted all things keto and had a good time. But I mentioned something on her podcast that I hadn't talked about really specifically here yet. So I thought I should probably do that before we get into today's questions. And that is what I have done recently to change my version of keto to work best for me, which is, of course, what I encourage all of you to do all the time, whether you've been doing it for two months, two years, a decade, whatever it has been. And I know we have people in all of those categories listening right now. But whatever your keto journey is, it's all about finding what works for you. Of course, I say that in every episode, but also what works for you at that time and being flexible with what is going on in your life or your workouts or your stress level, your home life, just all those things, taking that all into account and being fluid with it. So to the point where every day of your keto journey is not going to be the same. Every week's not going to be the same. Every month's not going to be the same. What you did starting out with keto, the foods you were eating to get yourself into ketosis, now, two months, two years, whatever later, might be totally different. You might be able to stay in ketosis a little easier. Maybe you have a harder time. Maybe you need more fat. Maybe you need less. Maybe you need more protein. All these things. I say this all the time, and I just wanted to share my personal journey because, of course, that's what I do here on the show, and I always will be super open. And I wasn't not explaining this story because I didn't want to tell you. I just kept forgetting, to be honest. But I think I mentioned, and most of you know, especially if you follow me over on Instagram and Instagram stories, I 
recently found my ability to have harder, more intense workouts. So I had been really backing off of intense workouts for probably about two years, maybe even more than that, honestly, because I got sick. My body was no longer able to tolerate those types of workouts. I finally realized what it felt like when my body was not able to tolerate those workouts. So, you know, the fatigue and the joint pain and the extra soreness when I did work out too hard, I was able to monitor that. And so I knew to back off my workouts and I knew when I could increase them. And so as I was healing my body, I could also feel that my workouts were able to be more intense without any backlash, I guess you could call it. So then it got to the point where I'm feeling the best I ever have. Health is at the best spot it ever has been in my entire life. So now is the right time for me to increase my workouts because I like working out intensely and I encourage people to do so if their body can tolerate it because I'm a big fan of challenging your body and your muscle, building new muscle, challenging your flexibility, challenging your mobility, all of that stuff. Huge fan of that, as you all know by now. But it got to that point where it was the right time for me too. I started increasing my workout frequency, increasing my workout intensity by quite a bit. And it's now been, gosh, Let's see, that was probably back in February-ish, I would say. So a few months now, let's say six months, a little less than that, but let's call it six months. Also in the summer here in Boulder, it's gorgeous, of course. And so that naturally increases my level of activity because I want to hike, I want to go on trail runs, I want to bike, I want to do all these things outside because I live in a place that is beautiful. And, you know, I think a lot of you do, whether it has mountains or water or fields or whatever it is, I think a lot of us can appreciate the beauty of summer and want to get outdoors more. So that happened around the same time as this increase in intensity of my workouts and what I'm doing actually in the gym. So I'm now going to lifting classes four days a week with, you know, just a small group and my trainer that has been my trainer for years teaching that class And they're intense. They're tough. And, you know, I'm seeing huge, huge improvements in the gym. And I'm also seeing huge, huge improvements in like the time it takes me to hike, how I feel while I'm hiking. The hikes that used to be super hard are no longer as hard. You know, I'm seeing just so much improvement. And I credit keto to that almost entirely for sure. However, what I do want to say is that my keto has changed a lot when those workouts changed a lot. My need for carbohydrates, and I don't really want to call it a need because as we know, we don't technically need carbohydrates. Our bodies don't, I guess, because we can produce the glucose necessary through our liver, through gluconeogenesis. So we don't technically need carbs, but my intuitive ability to understand what my body wants and what would help my body has gotten to the point where, you know, I can say my body was telling me that it wanted and needed more carbs. So that was something where it wasn't like a craving. It's not like all of a sudden I'm going to go binge on all these carbs. It's just like, for me, it's so weird how it happens. It's like I'm at the grocery store, I'm in the produce section and I see the sweet potatoes and it's nine times out of 10, I walk right by them and I don't want them. But then as I started increasing my workouts and the intensity, I started recognizing that I was drawn to the sweet potatoes or drawn to the berries or something like that more frequently. And that's really kind of my sign that I probably need to adjust something. And then the same thing kind of goes, you know, when I'm looking at meats at the butcher counter or whatever. If those look more appealing, if different types of meats look more appealing, like a big steak or beef or salmon, then as opposed to like bacon or sausage, then I know I need to start increasing my protein for the day. So I have gotten to that point where I really feel secure in what my body's telling me to do as far as my food goes. And I trust it. And I noticed that when I trusted it and made this change, my workouts really improved. So I was doing much better in the gym because what I do and whether that's even hiking or the trail runs I do and I do hill sprints and all these things, but then I'm also doing this stuff in the gym, they're very glycolytic, meaning they do require glucose right away, these types of workouts and these types of movements. 
So yes, while my body can make this glucose as needed, I feel like, you know, it almost just helps it along. It makes it a little bit of a quicker experience to have a little bit stored up, ready to go for that workout. And the beauty of it is because of those glycolytic type movements and workouts, I burn through the carbs I ate, which obviously turned into glucose. I burned through that so quickly at the beginning of a workout that then I still maintain ketosis all the time. And that's what I'm finding to be the case, this metabolic flexibility, especially as it pertains to the type of workouts I'm doing and how often I am being active. So it has meant that I have increased my carbs. I've decreased my fat. It's just I'm not finding it as appealing as I once was. I still eat a high-fat diet. I'm just not in this like extremely high-fat place that I was for a very long time because that was where I felt best. Now, since I'm kind of being a little more flexible and being more active. I think that the protein and the carbohydrates, I'm getting a little bit more use out of those because I also need a higher protein level to maintain and build the muscle, which is why I'm seeing such great improvements and everything. You know, of course, one of the reasons there's more for sure, but you know, I really want to increase my muscle mass and increase the amount of weight I'm able to do. So I need that protein in order to build and repair that as well. So I'm just kind of finding this more of a balanced type keto, I would say. And this is not every day. Of course, as I've mentioned before, sometimes I'm way higher in fat. Sometimes I'm way lower in protein. Sometimes I'm way higher in protein. Sometimes my carbs are high. You know, I'm all over the place on a daily basis. And it honestly has nothing to do with my workouts really for that day. I'm not like planning my meals around my workouts or anything like that because every day I'm doing something pretty much. So I just kind of plan my plate based on what sounds good. And I know that that's going to lead me to the best possible workouts and the best possible recovery and all that stuff. So I know that's a really vague way to say what I'm doing, but it's true. And I I know that there are people out there that feel that, that can understand what it's like to just kind of go with the flow with all of it. And I know there's people that want that and are striving for that. And I'm sure there are ladies listening that have no idea what that means. And trust me, that was me like three years ago. I had no idea. If you would have told me this, I would have thought you were crazy. But it was something that happened with me during my keto journey and really trying to heal my body and not being so rigid about the macros and calories and percentages and all that stuff, but just trying to heal my body, which is, of course, what I try to get you all to do, too. And I think it's working for a lot of you. So I just wanted to share that, that especially if you are someone that follows along with my plates of food, you may have noticed that I am eating more carbs lately, that I'm including those higher carb foods and maybe not including as many servings of fat at each meal. And I'm just going by how I feel. I feel really good. I test my ketones maybe once a month-ish, and I'm always in ketosis. And I I'm very, very keen on what it feels like for my body to be in and out of ketosis. So I can tell you with confidence, even though I only test once a month, that I have been in ketosis this entire time because of those workouts. You know, just how quickly I'm burning through fuel is really keeping me producing ketones for sure. So that's that. And again, thought it was going to be a quick answer and it wasn't even a question, but I answered it anyway. But of course, it took some time. So now let's actually get to the questions, shall we? Alrighty, starting with menopause and heavy joint inflammation, especially on one hand, this inflammation seems to move around the body. The one in the hand lasts about a year and then it moves to the other hand or even the toes, sometimes the hip, sometimes the knee, etc. Okay, well, not really a question here, so I'm not sure what you want me to answer, but I guess if you're looking to understand if keto would be good for menopause and heavy joint inflammation, yes, of course. The production of ketones is anti-inflammatory, so that's going to help with the joint pain and the inflammation to some degree, so that you should be able to see that. And then I really love keto for menopause. I know there's a lot of menopausal ladies listening, and, you know, it's just really, really 
finding the keto that works for you within menopause, which may include more carbs here and there, which may include more fat, especially if you're coming into keto and menopause with some adrenal issues, some blood sugar issues, thyroid issues, hormonal imbalances, all this stuff, which if you're feeling menopause, then you probably have at least one of those things going on. And you know, even inflammation like you're experiencing can be a symptom of menopause or the hormonal imbalance that takes place during menopause and the changes that take place, that right there is a sign too. So really working on balancing your hormones, whether you're in menopause or not, is going to be great. And I think obviously, as you know, because we've talked about it a lot here, I really am a huge, huge fan of using keto to balance hormones, female sex hormones in particular, but there's more too that are great. But I've seen so many success stories at this point that I just can't deny that. So Hopefully that will work for you too. Does keto cause anxiety when first getting into ketosis? It can for sure. This is really where we talk about the low carb purgatory situation. If you're not technically in ketosis and you're just doing really low carb without teaching your body how to use ketones or how to use fat as fuel, then it's going to freak out, which is why I have the Fat Burning Female Project. Um, That's why I have this podcast so I can teach you guys to not do that and make sure you're getting into ketosis. So that's the first thing. Of course, make sure you're eating enough food. That's the second thing to keep your body from freaking out. And then I would just say, even if you're going through, you know, really, I don't see this that often in the Fat Burning Female Project because we do take it slow. We are eating enough food and we're making sure we're actually producing ketones. But even within that, you know, if you're doing everything quote unquote right for the female body with keto, you might still have a few days, I would say, where you're obviously going through some keto flu because you're transitioning from not having the glucose that your body's used to using as readily available and starting the production of ketones as your source of energy. And so there is a little bit of that transition time where you feel a little off. And for some people, that could look like anxiety, especially if you have either dealt with anxiety in the past, if that's something that has been an issue for you before. If you are a stressed out person and dealing with high cortisol levels really at any point throughout the day, that could briefly cause it to elevate even further during that transition. So that could be the reason for short-term anxiety too, even if you're doing everything right. But I really would say make sure you're doing everything, quote unquote, right. Again, make sure you're doing all of that stuff because it should be super, super mild. It should not last very long, hopefully not at all. So if you feel like it's more prolonged or pronounced or you're really noticing it, then you are perhaps putting too much stress on your body and you may need to go back through the transition a little bit safer. I love keto, but I also love running. So being super strict on keto and running doesn't work for me. How do you discover how many carbs to eat on run days? Okay, so first thing I want to say is that there is actually lots and lots of really great research and proof and studies to show that, especially with endurance type training, which would be running, keto is awesome. And being in a state of ketosis is really, really great for that because you are just going to burn ketones in that run. So like I mentioned in my own story, having glycolytic type movements would require perhaps some carbohydrates, even while keto, if that's something that works for you, totally not necessary. So if you're doing what you're doing and it's working and you're having these great workouts, keep doing it. But for me, I noticed I need a little bit more carbs to get through the first part of that really intense workout that was glycolytic. But running is not that. It really is a type of workout that can benefit from this ketone production. So I really, first of all, would say, you know, you're saying super strict keto doesn't work for you. Well, super strict keto doesn't work for a lot of people, first of all, because it's super strict. But you definitely, I think, think would continue and should see improvements and really great workouts while being in ketosis. So I would make sure that you 
are actually in ketosis. You are actually eating enough fat to fuel those runs. Again, the things I talk about all the time, that you're eating enough food to fuel those runs. You know, if you are doing super strict keto, but really it's just super strict low-carb purgatory and not eating any carbs, but not producing ketones, your runs are going to (laughs) suck. Let's just put it that way. And really any workouts for that matter, they're going to suck. So if you are not having great workouts and you're doing keto, but not testing your ketones, not eating enough fat and that kind of stuff, or just enough food in general, not nourishing your body, then that could be something you want to change. So look at those things. But again, same as the last question, if you're doing everything that you know works for you and you should be doing and, you know, doing this like keto for women profile, then you still feel like you need carbohydrates, then go for it. And really, you want to know how many carbs to eat on run days. Totally up to you, which I'm sure you knew I was going to say that because you might get to a point where you eat too many carbs and you feel terrible and your runs suffer or you don't eat enough. And again, your runs suffer either way. So you have to find that sweet spot and just it's all about testing it. You know, if you find that eating carbs before your workouts are helping you, then, you know, start with like half a sweet potato Go for a run a couple hours later, see how you feel. If that felt like the sweet spot, then keep it there. If you think you need more, go for three quarters of a sweet potato, go for a full sweet potato, or you need less, back off. You know, so it's just testing it. It's testing it for you and your runs and what you do. I mean, obviously, I don't know anything about the situation besides that you don't feel like your running's going well. So first, make sure you're doing keto as well as you can, and then start testing those carbs. Okay. Okay, next one. What is the best thing to do to prepare to go keto when timing is bad? I am trying to transition to keto while moving internationally. I was doing well for six weeks, but I think my stress levels kicked me out of ketosis. I caved and now I'm back to craving carbs. Yeah, this is a great question because this is something I see often in fat burning female because you know, you really want to make this transition. You want to do it with the group when class starts, but it's a bad time. There's a vacation or a move coming up, or you're having family in town, or you have work stuff. Honestly, if we really wanted to, all of us could be not in the best spot to start a transition, right? There's always something going on for most of us. So really, I think first of all, it's getting out of that mindset that it's not a bad time, but I'm going to do it anyway, because it's just kind of creating this environment where you could excuse yourself because you have this stressful thing going on. You won't have access to food. You know, we can create all of these excuses And even if you really want to make that transition, if you give yourself that safety net of like, well, I am moving right now, so it might not work, and then it's not going to happen. So first of all, remove that and just know you're going to do it regardless. Like I'm moving internationally and I'm transitioning to keto. Two different things happening at the same time. They just so happen to be happening at the same time. And that's it no big deal. So of course, there are stressful scenarios that are going to make getting into and staying in ketosis a little bit more challenging. So of course, when things like this happen in our lives at the same time that we're transitioning to keto, of course, there's going to be times where you're not in ketosis or you're having a harder time or whatever. But it doesn't change the fact that you're still changing your lifestyle, you're still changing your eating habits, you're getting control of your health, and you're making better choices. So whether you're in ketosis or not during this time, you still can make the effort to make the better choice or to keep your health at the forefront of the choices that you do make and not give yourself, again, like I mentioned, that safety net. So I think it's almost not even any point to testing for ketones right now when you're in this transition and you are stressed. Just focus on making the best possible choice. Focus on those plates looking like a keto diet and that's pretty much it. So you're taking the stress off of that while you're working on the stress of the rest of your life, but you are doing it anyway. Like it's just not an option. It's not something where this even matters. It's two different things and you'll be able to do it. So just kind of focus on those really great choices and not the numbers right now. Before we move on with this episode, let me just take a minute to remind you all about the healing power of bone broth and more specifically, 
Oh So Good Bone Broth, who is a proud Keto for Women sponsor. Bone broth is the best, most nutrient-dense way that you can go to heal your body and heal your gut and improve your skin and nails and hair. The amino acid profile in bone broth is absolutely incredible, something we all need and a lot of us miss on a regular basis. Not to mention those micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals also provided naturally in bone broth that work to heal your gut and also to heal your immune system and to keep you healthy and well. That's why we are recommended to drink broth when we're sick or when we feel ourselves getting sick. And to have that in a package that is so delicious and so easy, all you have to do is grab a pack of oh-so-good bone broth out of your freezer, let it thaw, put it into a pot, and you can use it either in recipes for whatever you're making that day, or my personal favorite is to just drink it straight out of a mug. It's very comforting and warm. I love to do it before bed. It's kind of my nighttime ritual. It calms me down, makes sure that I'm nice and healthy heading into bedtime, and I have those nutrients ready to go. Oh So Good Bone Broth is 100% the best tasting broth out there. It is the best one I have ever had. I've tried them all. I am a huge fan of the flavors of the bone broth that they have there at Oh So Good. My favorite is the Signature. I highly recommend that. A close second is the spicy pork. So make sure when you are placing your order with Oh So Good, you grab those two and just give them a try. Let me know if you think they're your favorite too. And just make sure you always have some around. I know you can make your own, but there's just times when all of a sudden you or your family member feels like they're coming down with something thing and you need some broth immediately, but you don't have any bones. You don't have the time to make some broth. And it's just really nice to have that in the freezer ready to go for whenever you or your family needs it, which really, honestly, it's an everyday thing. You need to be making this a ritual so that it gets into your health care routine because it is a much needed part of that. So head to ohsogoodbones.com and get $10 off your order when you use the code KETO, the number for women. That's O-S-S-O goodbones.com and use the coupon code KETO, the number for women to place your order, get $10 off. Make sure to try all those flavors. Try the soups too. They are phenomenal and so easy to pull out and have around for a quick dinner. Uh, just so great. Everything's so good there. I promise you're going to be obsessed. Moving right along, thyroid changes on keto. I've been keto for about a month and a half. For the first several weeks, I experienced crazy rapid heart rate. It was pretty scary. I cut out coffee and took electrolytes and it eventually subsided. Doc checked my thyroid and it said it's a little sluggish and gave me some armor desiccated thyroid to take. In past blood work, I've always been within normal range. I've read that keto can cause T3 to T4 conversion to decline. I'm wondering if it's just the decrease in glucose and if my body will regulate without the armor. I'm not a fan of taking any medication because birth control ruined my body. (laughs) She has this really mad emoji face on that. Side note, I don't fast and I feel like I eat plenty. I probably range anywhere from 20 to 40 carbs a day. Started keto for PCOS and after bleeding for six months nonstop, I had my first normal period this month after going keto. Ah, that's so awesome. That is a really great success story for sure. So, okay, there's so much I could talk about here. Trying to keep this as short as possible. The first things first, the rapid heart rate is most likely the need for electrolyte support. So because you even noticed you added electrolytes, took out the caffeine, and it subsided. So if you have a rapid heart rate, especially when first starting keto, get yourself some really good quality electrolytes. You can get the ones that I recommend in my supplement guide from episode 19, I believe. So that's the first thing that I want to show you. The second thing you know, it's hard for me to really give you any sort of exact advice because I don't know your numbers. I don't know you. I don't know what else is going on in your body. So your doc just said that it was a little bit low and gave you some armor, which is quite common. And that's totally okay if you decide that you want to take the armor and see if you can get your levels to increase and if you feel any different or any better with that or without. 
So I think, honestly, if I'm being totally, completely honest, I think there's a lot of people, ladies in particular, that are on thyroid medication that probably don't need to be or should be. But I also think that it's one of the most safe medications that you can take as far as other side effects and things like that. So if it's a case where it does make you feel better and you notice a difference when you're taking the medication, then that's totally an option. It seems, though, that you kind of don't want to, (laughs) especially with your birth control nightmare. So remember, I'm not a doctor. I don't prescribe medication. I don't take people on or off medications. This would definitely be something to talk about with your doctor. But I think it is something where you could bring it up and ask your doctor, hey, I'd really like to just work on getting my thyroid markers up on my own without medication. Is that cool if we hold off for a few months and I see what can happen when I make some changes to my lifestyle? And they don't need to know what those changes are. They probably won't even ask. Just keep it super general and see if that's okay. Most likely, they're going to be cool with that because you're not at a place where it's like extremely low, something really major is going on. It just seems like it's a little sluggish. What I have read and notice in some people is that when you first start keto, it can cause a slight dip in T3. We'll see that. It's really that T4 to T3 conversion. You see a slight dip in T3. It does go back up pretty quickly, I would say within a couple weeks to a couple months max before I see that go up. And it's kind of part of that transition process. It's also, I think, really understanding your body and what works best for your body and making sure you're eating enough food, making sure you're fully in ketosis for an extended period of time. I'm sound like a broken record, but I keep saying the same things. But I mean, I can't even tell you how much stuff goes away when you just eat enough food. But it sounds like you think that you are I would say 20 to 40 grams of carbs a day. That's pretty low in my book. I would definitely not go lower than 40 for what I teach and what I have found to work best for women. So you could increase your carbs a little bit just to see if that helps or if you feel any different or any better. So you could give it more time just doing those little things. The one other thing that I really want to mention that is really, really important when we're talking about thyroid And this is something I have seen so much in women in my practice that it's like 100% of the time. If you have thyroid issues, especially if it's a hypothyroid situation and not Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune, if you're hypothyroid, you are also hypoadrenal, meaning you have sluggish adrenal function as well, which would be kind of like an adrenal dysfunction, adrenal fatigue, low cortisol output, those kinds of things that we hear about. There is such a strong correlation between those two that you could also take this time to work on your adrenal health and then see how your thyroid hormones increase as a result of that too, which happens quite often once we really work on those adrenals and get our cortisol rhythm back in check for the day. The thyroid levels come right back up too. So that's something to work on too. So again, totally up to you if you want to take the medications cool. If you want to see what your body can do without them when you're actually truly working on being in a really good, nice state of keto with the right amount of carbs and fats and proteins for you and staying there for a while while also working on your adrenal health and possibly working with someone, functional medicine, to take a look at your adrenal health and then just kind of see what happens there and see if your doctor is cool with that. Hi, Sean. I recently started listening to your podcast, and I am so thankful for your insights. I was hoping you could talk a bit about building muscle on keto. Before starting, I was doing a fairly clean diet, aside from the carbs that I used, basically a powerlifting diet. I'm two months into keto, and my abdomen is not defined anymore. It almost looks bloated. I noticed my arms and legs toning up, but I'm struggling with my abdomen. Dairy intolerant, maybe. I was mostly dairy-free prior to beginning keto. I feel great, though, but I'm struggling with training goals. I know I can't be the only one. Okay. So she was doing a powerlifting, probably I'd say moderate to high carb diet, quote unquote healthy diet before. She's getting more toned in her legs and arms, which is a win. She feels really good, win, (laughs) but noticing a little bit more bloated looking in her abdomen. 
she almost actually at least partly answered her own question, which she increased her dairy and started increasing the bloating and water retention around her midsection. That seems like it could be a really good correlation. And this is totally this thing of empowerment where it's like, all right, things are changing in the body. What have I changed? Kind of being your own investigator. That's something that changed. She started eating dairy where she wasn't before. And of course, she reduced her carbohydrates, started doing keto. So I would say take out the dairy, see if that does anything. And this would be at least a month, I would say, of taking out dairy and going completely dairy-free. See if that changes. I have a feeling it will because dairy is not all we crack it up to be in this keto community. So especially if you're dealing with water retention, bloating, increased fat around the abdomen, increased fat anywhere, really, it could be something as simple as not eating dairy, believe it or not. It's just such a fascinating thing, but I see it quite often. Of course, caveat, first make sure you're fully in ketosis, eating enough food, all the stuff that I've said in every single question. I'm just going to start letting you know that that goes without saying, but I do still feel like I have to say it because it could be that too. And it's definitely a case where you know, it's so common we start seeing our abdomen get less defined or start seeing fat appear in random places. And so we assume it's the food we're eating. So we start eating less and then it just makes it worse. So I really do need to make sure that you are remembering that it's not the amount of food you're eating. It could be the types of food you're eating, the quality of foods you're eating, when you're eating, how often could have absolutely nothing to do with what you're eating, which is highly likely as well, which is why I have that whole video series that I talked about at the beginning. But it sounds to me like you, you wanted to talk about building muscle on keto. And I think that that's a really great topic because especially for women, there's a lot of information out there about men and building muscle on keto, but it's not the same for women. It's really not. I think we have to be a little bit more generous with the amount of protein we're eating. We have to be a little bit more thoughtful about our hormones and our stress levels and keeping all that in check, making sure we're consuming enough food that we're not, you know, necessarily working out fasted if that doesn't work for us. You know, there's a lot of other considerations that men don't necessarily have to take when they're trying to build muscle on keto that we as women do. So, I mean, I don't have this information for this particular person. I don't know if they're working out fasted or eating less food, not eating enough fat, not being in ketosis. But what I do know is that one of the quintessential signs that you are either in cortisol overproduction or cortisol underproduction is weight gain around the middle. And it usually is just water retention type situation, but will look more bloated, may even have a little bit more fat gain around the midsection if it's a stressful environment in your body. So I do also want to make sure like, yeah, it could be dairy and that would be a really easy, simple change to make. And then this goes away, but it could also be an increased level of stress from that transition to keto and maybe not finding the keto that works for you just yet. So keep that in mind too. But you say you feel great. So I think we might just need to be dairy-free for a little while and maybe forever. All right, moving on. What do I tell my friend that says she can't eat keto because she has a gallstone? Her gallstone was detected in an ultrasound and now she's afraid to eat fat. Well, I mean, we've talked about this before. If someone's adamant about not doing keto, it's almost like save your breath and wait till they are and wait till they ask for your help or want to learn more. So, you know, you trying to force your friend into eating keto when she sounds like she doesn't want to, it may not work. However, if she is interested and wants to learn more, then you could kind of explain to her that gallstones are not a symptom of keto and not something that are worsened or continued with keto. In fact, it will do the opposite. It's actually really great for your liver and gallbladder to have these healthy fats, really good to get your bile moving again, which would help with the gallstone and get that sluggish bile cleaned out, get your body detoxed and just really start functioning at optimal levels again, which you know, it sounds like isn't happening for her right now. What I would really focus for her is on the quality of the fats. So making sure she is eating the highest quality fats possible, 
that she's getting enough fat, that she's taking a liver support and an ox bile support to start when she does make the transition and starts eating more fat. Those would be my ideas for her. I mean, I think the best thing for any of us who are trying to help people understand that their health goals or symptoms or whatever could be improved if they went keto, really the best thing for all of us is to do our own research. So see what you can do. Google gallstones and keto and read up on it and find something that you think would help her, would speak to her, whether that's a blog of someone who had issues and they got better or a Facebook group or actual research or, you know, whatever it may be. See what you can do to find out some information from a source you trust and send that along. That's the case for any of us if we're trying to convince someone. But remember, they have to want to be convinced, at least partly, because if it's just going to be a case of you being frustrated and them being annoyed with you if you're trying to push something on that they don't want to do. I've been in ketosis for four to five weeks, but my numbers are consistently between 0.7 and 0.9. How should I go about trying to increase ketones to push into optimal ketosis? Hey, good news. You don't need to. You are in optimal ketosis. No need to push your numbers higher. There is no benefit to getting higher numbers in 0.7 to 0.9. Your body's producing ketones. It's using them. It's going to keep it your levels a little lower, especially if it's using them efficiently. So you know what? No need. Just go about living life. You are good to go, girl. Does MCT oil put you in a false ketosis like exogenous ketones do? I can't seem to stay in ketosis without it. Yeah, good question. It does in a way. It, I mean, not to the point of exogenous ketones, but MCT oil, basically it bypasses digestion. And so it just automatically goes into the bloodstream and so will show up in a ketogenic state or a deeper ketogenic state more so than any other fat where we actually have to go through the digestion process. So that's why people like it. It is really good in particular. I think people notice it in their brain health because that means it's quickly going into the bloodstream, which can then pass through the blood-brain barrier quickly, and you will feel a little bit of increased energy you know, and mental clarity. So that's kind of, I think, how it all got to be. But then now we are seeing that you can have higher ketone readings if you have MCT oil in your day. So then it became popular for that reason. So kind of going back to the same question, especially if it's not, I don't want to say it's false keto, but it may be kind of accelerating or heightening your level of ketosis unnecessarily. It just might not be worth it or needed unless you feel really good on MCT oil. I, in particular, don't feel better on MCT oil. It's not great for my digestion, so I don't ever use MCT oil. And I'm doing just fine. But if you aren't staying in ketosis without it, then yeah, it might be a sign that that's kind of what was keeping you at that higher level of ketosis or, you know, producing ketones. So personally, this is totally a personal opinion. I think it'd be cool to see kind of what else you can do or need to do or should be doing for your body to get in ketosis without MCT oil and see if you can learn a little bit more about yourself that way. Not that you can't use it ever or you shouldn't be using it or it's a bad thing or anything, but just to get more information, you know, like what does it take for your body to get in ketosis without MCT oil and see if that works a little better just for some information about yourself. Moving on. When trying to transition to keto, should I stop lifting and stop cardio? What would you recommend for working out? Long walks, light aerobics? Totally depends on you and what you're used to doing, what your body's used to doing, what you feel like doing. But when you're making the keto transition, generally it is nice to maybe take a little bit of a break for even just a few days to a week while you're making that keto transition, just to give your body a little bit more space to not stress out, you know, a little bit more relaxation and calmness during that time. However, like I mentioned a few episodes ago, there are studies showing that you actually can get into ketosis quicker if you do some high intensity interval training while you're making that transition. So that could be something where I think would be potentially a good situation because the cool thing about high intensity interval training or HIIT training is that it's really short you get breaks. And so it's not as stressful on the body as, say, a long run. 
or, you know, a heavy lifting workout session. So that could be something where I think incorporating some HIIT training during your transition, if you feel up for it, would benefit you. But again, you know, I noticed that a lot of women just don't feel up for it. You know, they don't feel all that great. They feel sluggish and tired and they want to go home and take a nap. And, you know, if you're in the middle of the transition, that might be the best thing to do. So maybe it would be the case where walks or yoga, maybe a light hike and definitely still strength training for sure. I think you probably would lower your weights and your intensity. So you're still lifting weights, but not quite at this like eight to nine intensity level that maybe you are doing, but maybe more at like a five or six for a few weeks. So you're still working the muscle, just not as intensely for that period of time. I think that would be great, but definitely listen to your body. And if you are just totally wiped, then you're going through keto flu and sleeping's great. Going out in nature's great, but do more things in this like self-care type mindset too. And if you can get in 10 minutes of HIIT training and feel up for that, cool. I know each body is different, but is there a sweet spot for body fat percentage and hormones? I'm naturally lean, just came off birth control and awaiting my period on a keto diet. A sweet spot for body fat percentage and hormones. Yeah, totally different. I will say from my personal experience, for me to have completely regulated, awesome, amazing hormones, and I don't know my body fat percentage, but I used to know. So now I can kind of guess. And I also used to be a personal trainer and test people's body fat percentages. So I have an idea of what it looks like. I would say for me, I need to be above like 25%. That's for me personally. I would say for the average woman, I would say it's probably going to be 20-ish percent would be the lowest. But this is, of course, an average. This is totally me just guessing. Could be lower. It just depends. But I do want to point out, of course, you know, I got down to a really low body fat percentage when I was competing and lost my period for a really long time. I stayed really lean after that and didn't get my period back after I was done competing because I was still too lean. And then I did eventually get my period back, but I didn't actually start ovulating for a really long time after that too. So there are different stages and different levels too. I mean, getting a normal menstrual cycle, I guess really just bleeding is one sign that things are coming back online. But also we need to look for signs of ovulation, which would be obviously mid-month. I look for those signs, which I did a whole episode about. And then also look for getting your period ideal, right? So that would be like it happens at the same time every month or, you know, same number of days between each. It's not painful. You don't have PMS. You don't have moodiness, bloating, tender breasts, all of these things that are kind of signs that your menstrual cycle is about to start. Those should be really insignificant and really minor. And that's when we know we're having this awesome, really nice, normal menstrual cycle. So there is the case where you could be at a really low body fat percentage and have a period. But we want to look for those other things that are really the signs that you have normal, balanced hormones. But yes, back to your question, I would say I would think it's probably the minimum would be 20% body fat. But like I also mentioned last time when we talked about body fat percentage, it is super, super hard to get an accurate idea of what your true body fat percentage is. There are very few tools out there that do it correctly. So I would honestly just don't even worry about your body fat percentage. Just get to a spot where you are nourishing your body, you are working out appropriately for what you have going on for you, and then see what happens to those hormones. Your body is going to change just as much as it needs to change to get your normal hormones. That's just what's going to happen. All right, moving on. If your ratios are correct, do calories matter for weight loss? Ooh, this is such a loaded question. All right, the first part, if your ratios are correct, that first needs to be touched on because who is determining your correct ratios? If it's anyone but you, then you're going to have a problem. So if you're going to have a keto lifestyle that is balancing your body, healing your body, getting you back to this place of ultimate health, if you're going to do that, then you need to know the macro 
calculations that work for you. And I hate the word calculations. I don't want to use it because I don't think you should be calculating them. But I guess if we're talking ratios, there may be, you know, a small period of time where you are doing a little bit of calculation in order to figure out what's going to work for you and what feels good. So if you feel good and you think things are working really well for you, then those are your ratios or somewhere around there. And of course, it can be changed day by day, week by week, that kind of stuff, which is what I talked about in the beginning. So the first thing I want to say is we should probably change this question to if your ratios are correct for you, do calories matter for weight loss? So if your ratios are correct for you, that means that you are going to be doing the right thing for your body and your health. So at that point, that becomes more important than calories. Yes, because we really can then work on healing our hormones, healing our metabolism, doing the right things for our body to get well. And then when you're well, that's what promotes weight loss way more so than calories. So that's what I really focus on here on Keto for Women is focusing on your health goals and seeing that weight situation change over time because you've healed your body and knowing that weight is a symptom of health, right, or lack thereof. So if you are overweight or not able to lose weight and it's weight that you need to lose, what else is going on in your body that's keeping that from happening? Because there is something else. So in that regard, I would say if you have found the keto that works for you, you are doing a ketogenic diet that is super nutrient dense with really, really good high quality foods, non-toxic foods, all real, whole, organic, properly raised foods, found your food sensitivities and taken those out. So if you're sensitive to dairy, you're not eating dairy. If you're sensitive to nuts, you're not eating nuts, those kinds of things. And we're strictly talking about food right now. Then I think from there, calories aren't really going to matter that much. Now, I'm not going to say that they don't matter at all, because I think, of course, if you consistently eat 10,000 calories a day and you're eating crap food and processed oils and you're eating tons of dairy when you're sensitive to dairy and you're doing this consistently, but your macros are in your range, then that's going to promote weight gain because it's promoting health decline. Does that make sense? So we're promoting health decline because, of course, you're stuffing your face beyond what feels comfortable, right? Because nobody's going to be comfortable eating 10,000 calories a day, right? So if we are tapped in and we can see how much food feels right for our body, then you know, you can only eat so much broccoli with butter on top. It's just like eventually you're going to be done. It's going to be enough. You're going to be satisfied and it's not going to get you to this point of 10,000 calories. So I can't say that calories don't matter at all because the quality of the calories is so important as well. But I think, yes, for what you are asking in this question, I would say overall, in general, yes, basically what you're saying is finding your macro ratio more important than calories, yes. And I would say even more important than that is getting the right kinds of food to fit into those macros. Because like I said, of course, eating a Snickers bar, but it's technically in your macros, would not be the same as having berries and whipped coconut cream. Even though if they're the same exact macros, same exact calories, same exact everything, one is promoting health, one is declining health. So you will promote weight gain or inability to lose weight when you are promoting health loss (laughs) or I guess not promoting health gain and not focusing on your health. Whereas berries and whipped coconut cream, very health promoting, very nutrient dense. You're going to feel very satisfied. It's not going to have the impact on your blood sugar. It's not going to increase your inflammation and your immune system, and all this stuff. So it's very health promoting and not going to lead to weight gain or inability to lose weight because you are working towards your health goals. I really hope that makes sense. Man, that is a super loaded question. I tried to answer it in the shortest way possible. I do think it's a great question. I hope it gets some clarity, but this is really, really, really 
where I want you all to just stop thinking so much about the calories and start thinking more about the quality and how you feel eating what you're feeling, like truly legitimately feel. If you have coffee with heavy cream and you don't feel good, do something about it. And it's so much more about the calories. I cannot even explain. There is so much more going on in our bodies besides just calories. So that's what I really want to get across. Of course, I don't want you to eat 10,000 calories. I think it's going to be really hard to do that. Honestly, I think most of us have a really, really, really hard time consuming more calories than our body requires. I think if you're eating real whole foods, that is a really, really hard thing to do because you're naturally just going to be full and satisfied and want to stop when it's enough. And that's that. So easy. And your body's so happy in that spot. And that's what will cause weight loss. Okay, we'll stop there before I move on to another question. I'm glad I'm getting through these. I think we can get through this. We'll be able to get through this the next couple weeks and we'll be ready for more questions. Until then, have a great week and a good weekend. I will see you back here with a very special guest next week that you guys are definitely gonna wanna check out. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.